This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Did your mum um, pass immediately through no, dad's attack? No, she stumbled um, along the side path and collapsed at the front of the house. Yeah. And within literally minutes there were police and, you know, people everywhere gathered around my mum's lifeless body. Oh, right, so she passed away that in that mm. incident. Yeah. In that incident there. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just seeing my father in the back of a police car as he drove away looking back and that was quite a you know, just a, a significant moment. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> I can't get over it's it, It's like, wow, you know, what a beautiful gift. Like if, if you can, like, see it this way that every single experience of trauma, adversity, whatever, can can roll out in a way that not only you can be healed from, but you can um, help others to heal because of it. You change the meaning of it. Mm. You change the meaning meaning of all your trauma. That's right. The, the trauma was once trauma. <laughs> and now it's a gift. Now it's a gift. That I'm grateful for. Oh, get out of it. So this is, uh, this is another uh, quite traumatic experience because I was 11, almost 12, and the foster authorities came to the last foster home and uh, asked the question, would I, gave me a choice basically, would I like to um, stay in the foster care system yeah. until I was 18 and then I'd be free to leave? Yeah. Which, of course, for me meant yeah. uh, moving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, continuing the abuse or to return to my father who'd been released from prison. Wow. Um, But the hardest thing about this decision, Bernie, was uh, I had to go back to the house where he had murdered mum. Because these things happened to me. Yeah. Not because of me. You got to say that one more time, please. Because these things happened to me, not because of me. So they don't define you. That's right. I'll get out of it. (laughs) That's right. You know, I love Dr. Wayne Dyer's um, quote, and I use this often. Change the way you look at things, and the things you look at change. Yeah. I tell you what, It's a choice, Bernie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? What a phenomenal human being. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. You have joined, yes, it's another episode of A Journey with Bernie. And I'm so grateful, I say it every time, but I truly am grateful that you have chosen to spend this time, your time, uh, with us in what is going to be an incredible discussion 
There you are. I can actually hear you listeners right now saying, Bernie, you say that every time, but have I disappointed? That's what I want to know, listeners. You should be telling us, by the way, what you think of all these podcasts. What about the one with Mark Nuss around Destiny's Rescue? That beautiful little girl from India, uh, Renee Augustine. We need to know what you actually think of these podcasts and how they're impacting your beautiful lives. Well, I can assure you that today is going to impact your life because I've heard this lady's story twice now. I've just finished a wonderful copy, just over 45 minutes. I heard the highlights again. Highlights, Donna Lee Perfect. (laughs) Would you call it highlights? Maybe, yes. Maybe. Well, there, there are certainly things that have impacted your life in an incredible way. I have a feeling that the highlight is the way that you've responded to them um, over time. More about that very, very shortly, dear listeners. Donna Lee Perfect, if you live on the Gold Coast, incorrect. If you live in Australia, you would know Donna Lee Perfect as, let's go through it, Donna, child entertainer, yes, correct, tick. Yes. Tick, tick, tick. Uh, Professional corporate speaker. Yes. How many speaking gigs have you done for the corporate world? Off the top of your head, is it hundreds? Is it thousands? Probably <laughs> a 50. 50? Well done, well done, well done. Oh, I was, was going to say, sometimes the measurement of, a, uh, you know, of the corporate speaking world is um, how much they get paid for a gig. We won't go there, all right? 10,000 hours? Oh, get right? out of it. Get out of it. <laughs> I'm worth two and a half. You can beat that, can't you? You can. She's over here nodding her head, dear people. Um, And you're also, you're an author too, please. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we start there, Donnelly? I just want to get a a picture of of what you are doing now and what gives you this uh, tremendous profile that you have in the educational and coaching world. Tell us about your books. Oh, well, Bernie, you know, the books, I, I never, ever uh, envisaged myself being a children's author. That was not on the plan at all. And these incredible books, The Adventures of Jesse and Rocky Rockstar, are uh, adorable stories about our rescue dog and my daughter. Right. And the life lessons that Rocky Rockstar teaches her <laughs> about kindness and Where compassion. Where did Rocky Rockstar come from? Why Rocky Rockstar? Is Jesse your daughter? Jesse's daughter. the daughter, and is Rocky Rockstar the dog? He's the dog. He's right. the rescue dog. Right. And you call him Rocky Rockstar? Yes. So when you call him for dinner, do you go, Rocky Rockstar? Absolutely. Or do you call him Rocky? Rocky, for short. <laughs> he answers to both. And and if I was to open up those books or any of the, uh, the children, maybe of the parents that are listening to this podcast, were to read those books – what would they gain from the books? What is the books sharing with them? What is the message of these three beautiful books? Well, there are two in the series. So yeah. uh, the first one is Puppy Rescue. Right. And it's just a story about how uh, Rocky was found yeah. and uh, how his name came about. But it's, the stories are really more about kindness Wow. And compassion wow. and, and treating um, everybody, including yeah. animals, with respect yeah. and love yeah. um, and sharing that love, you know. Um, and it's about everyday life. It's yeah. about 
step families. It's ah. about meditation. It's about being mindful and being caring and kind human being. Yeah. You know, I, I, I find sometimes life incredible. Can I just share with you quickly? Yesterday I did a beautiful Buddhist retreat with Chad Foreman. Now, Chad Foreman was episode number 34 or 42 of A Journey with Bernie. And in that retreat, he announced his religion or his philosophy of life as not Catholicism, not um, Buddhism, yet he was a Buddhist monk. He said, my religion is kindness. <laughs> and I just find it remarkable how twice in like less than 24 hours that word comes up as a, as a key uh, announced word for me to ponder uh, and consider. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But you're also a professional speaker. You've said you've done 50 big gigs or 50 different gigs. All different kinds. Tell us, <laughs> tell us, tell us about a recent one. I'm just trying to develop a picture of who you are professionally and what you do and what's given you this uh, lovely profile that I know many people enjoy about you. Mm. Yeah. Well, probably one of my most uh, – you know, I guess memorable um, keynotes was during COVID oh. and it was at the Star Casino on the Gold Coast. Wow, okay. And it was uh, for the Australian Child Care Alliance Conference where there were 850 education delegates. Okay. And uh, I was at this conference with a very good friend who was my support person. Yeah. And uh, she she's an amazing woman, and she has a story of her own also. And anyway, um, I was watching the speakers previous to my, to to my talk, and they were all very kind of conservative speakers. Yeah. And knowing my style and the way that I, um, you know, um, I'm very animated. Put it that way. <laughs> I, and so these speakers were behind lecterns, yeah. reading notes, and so forth. They had powerpoints. And I got up skipping on yeah. the stage yes, yes, in a yes. rainbow dress that right. flows. And uh, I remember seeing the audience. No, the I got a Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Yes. Yes, no. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, absolutely, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I just – I couldn't believe the the eyes just, uh, you know, fixated on what on earth is happening here. Could you see the fear in their their eyes absolutely, first? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Educationalists, remember? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? Well, I, I mean, uh, I took them on a roller coaster, Bernie, which wow. I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I share, I share my story. Yeah, I share how I've overcome that. Uh, you know, so much, so much ongoing trauma in my life wow. to a place of colour, vibrancy and gratitude. Yeah. And, you know, I get my audience to recognise the resilient rock stars within them. Within and themselves? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm playing with some thoughts here. Like the inference there, which I quite enjoy, is that in a way – we all have our challenges and we all have a little bit of suffering, but in some cases it can be absolutely profound and powerful and potent. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're, we're going to hear that from your story shortly. I have no doubt about that. 
but there are ways to overcome these challenges and these these mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I think you're saying that every one of your audience could resonate in some way with the challenges that 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 you had in your life. What's your central message to people to overcome challenges when life's a little bit painful and chaotic for them? What is your what's your central message around that? Look, I think it's uh, to recognise that that is part of life. Every day we yeah. have challenges. Challenges are part yeah. of the amazing adventure called life. Yeah. And if we can embrace those uh, challenges and adversity yeah. in a way that we look at these times in our life where it's a gift. Yeah. Because there is always a lesson that can be learnt from those experiences, if we embrace the lesson. Have you got to the stage where an event comes along, shakes you, and you can actually see it as a gift? 100%. Wow. I mean, that is a, uh, that is a terrific place to land at, <laughs> whereby when life throws those cards at you now, you can actually see the value and the benefit possibilities of it. So let's go back to these 850 educationalists. If I, if I met any of them now outside the studio and I said, what did you take away from Donna Lee Perfect's presentation? What do you think would be some of their take-home pays? Mm, I think uh, certainly the experience of uh, the air guitar rock stars <laughs> on the stage where, uh, you know, we had education um, delegates up there actually rocking it out with my balloon guitars, right. which was a big surprise oh, to God. them. Um, but I, I just think it's um, recognising that a person who can go through so much ongoing trauma can, yeah. can come out of that experience with so many tools yeah, that yeah. Um, that they want to share with others yeah, and, and a hope yeah. that in some way yeah. um, can can provide um, some peace and yeah. ability to overcome their own adversity. What, 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 what tools did you give them? Uh, like what, what, what strategy or action? What would they take away and say, guess what, in my – in my painful and chaotic events and suffering of my life, Donna Lee Perfect says, try this, do this. What's this? Well, uh, well, there, there were a number of tools, but I guess gratitude is probably one of my biggest tools. Um, most profound is, you know, being grateful for every day with the, the highs and lows Wow. The suffering, um, the adversity, the whole adventure of yeah. life and being grateful, like I said, for those life lessons and yeah. embracing them and not only being at a space where you embrace them and um, are grateful for them, but if you're able to pass on yeah. some of those lessons to others, yeah. then what an amazing gift. Yeah. Because yeah. – somebody else is benefiting in some way from your experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, potentially that was the outcome for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, in that 
in the audience that day. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I overthink things, Donna. <laughs> what I'm what I'm thinking now is is I'm thinking if one is grateful for what is, if one is grateful for what they have now w- within themselves and maybe even outside of themselves. I'm grateful for this moment of where I am in my life. We're also saying that there is no great desire or need to want for more. 100%. And so the, the actual power of it, please correct me if I'm misreading this, the actual power of it is you don't get fall into that trap of always wanting more. And as has been said in this podcast a few times, but more recently, there never seems to be an end for more, does there? No. You know? But gratefulness says I can find happiness in what is. Mm. Is that how it works? Yeah, and I think grateful gratefulness is a mindful experience. Yeah. It's being in the moment. Yeah. As opposed to being in the past or the future. Yeah. So it's being very present. Yeah. And love it. I I love uh, like Dr. Wayne Dyer. He yeah. Always talked about gratitude, and he always believed that when people had this kind of desire or need for something else, yeah. it was the disease for more. Yeah. And you can't ever arrive at a place of happiness when you are in this kind of experience of a, this disease for more. You, yeah. you have this desire for wanting and yeah. needing more. Yeah. You can never arrive at happiness. Yeah. So it is about being present and being mindful of yeah. where you are right now and being grateful for everything that you have in this present moment. I love it, Donna. I, lo- I love what you just said there. You, you, it, being grateful puts you there mm. in the present moment mm. and, and gratefuls, even the word's got a positive energy about it. I'm sure it's got a, an element of joy, mm. an element of inner happiness as a whole part of the package. And that's what it brings to mm. the to the present moment. Mm. Um, we haven't even heard your story yet. I'm holding back on it. I am holding back on it. But can I ask you, what are you grateful for now in your life? For what are you grateful for in your life at this beautiful stage of life? I am grateful that every day in my present life, I don't know what is coming. (laughs) And that is an exciting adventure. G'day friends and neighbours, it's Chip Huddy again. And once again, we find ourselves at the top of Chip's loaded questions. First question of the section, when was the last time you felt truly grateful? Think about that. Call it to mind. Because as Donna and Bernie said, gratitude is a potent force to bring us into the present moment. And there is no straighter path to happiness than cultivating the ability to live fully and mindfully in the present moment. So, have you recalled the last time that you felt truly grateful yet? Now, if you're like me and it took you a while to remember, or if you maybe still can't remember, can I ask a loaded question? Do you think it's been too long? Do you think it might be time we both took a moment and said aloud, out loud, the things for which we're grateful? I'll start, but don't be shy. You can join in. I, Chip Huddy, 
am grateful for, and in no particular order, my wife Renee, my best friend Jeffrey, my greyhounds Frost and Boobs, my fiendish cats Kit and Pedro, being privileged to be doing work I love, being able to speak. And you indicated before that even if it throws you curveballs or a little bit of chaos, that's okay too because that too is going to supply some learning. Absolutely. Yeah. I always look for the learning. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. How did you – you know, the, the question's got to be how did you get there? But I think before we, <laughs> we answer that question, let's go to this incredible – story I don't even like the word incredible because there are elements of it that are so dark but what's incredible is how out of your story you've landed to what we just heard you know Donna take us back to the early days of your childhood mm, mm. yeah okay Bernie well um I'm the youngest of five siblings yeah. and I'm actually a twin yeah. I have a twin brother uh-huh. and uh, I'm a Kiwi <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, from Auckland, yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. And, um, you know, my my childhood uh, felt pretty normal, pretty yeah. like I don't know what normal even means really, <laughs> you know, but it seemed to be quite a happy sort of childhood yeah. um, from um, from my memory uh, until one, uh, one morning yeah. when I was just seven years old. And yeah. uh, I remember waking um, very early. And hearing my mum's um, piercing screams, yeah, and um, I uh, I jumped out of bed to see what was going on, and I uh, heard my father yelling, yeah. um, and I stepped out of my bedroom door, and um, I saw my father chasing my mum down um, the spiral staircase, yeah, with a knife, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, as my mum tried to uh, reach for the uh, the handle of the sliding door to escape, yeah. um, my father drove the knife into her back. Yeah, yeah. You witness this. Mm-hmm. Any of the other children in the house? Yeah, yeah. We, we all did. Yeah, and the, the, the outcome we've just heard, but, but was the yelling and the and the and the screaming and the fighting was that part of what you grew up with? Not really. Or this was a. A reasonably sudden event. It was a reasonably sudden event. There were arguments, but nothing yeah. to this extent. Yeah. There wasn't really any violence. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was a very shocking um, experience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, may I ask him, by the way, in in all of this discussion here now, please feel free to use the word pass. Mm. Okay. Um, but was there. Anything that facilitated your dad's violence? Like was he a, a violent man by nature or? Uh, yeah, I think there was some violent background. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this came about from research later on as I was a, yeah. you know, a, a young adult. Um, yeah. But at the time yeah. it certainly wasn't something that I was yeah. particularly um, aware of yeah. as a seven-year-old. Yeah. Mm. Um, may I assume that dad was charged and, and – and then spent yeah, some so, prison time, and yeah, yeah. So my mother passed away, yeah. and um, within uh, moments, um, the um, foster authorities came and separated me from my siblings, 
and we were put into foster homes because we were such a a large unit. Um, our direct family couldn't take the children, or you know, they just couldn't take that responsibility yeah. on. So we were um, put into into the foster care, um, and uh, that was an experience mm. that um, you mm. know uh, continued yeah. the trauma. Yeah. So you know. Um, there was no emotional support. There was no counselling. Wow. Um, we were just put into strange homes with strangers mm. Mm. and expected to, mm. um, you know, mm. uh, just get on with life. Mm. Um, I want to apologise to you right now because I just realised before, right, for whatever reason, I maybe because I've semi-heard the story before, I, I assumed your mum's passing and uh, then I dwelt upon your dad's outcome. When really it really should have focused on. Did your mum um, pass immediately through no, dad's attack? No, she stumbled um, along the side path and collapsed at the front of the house. Yeah. And within literally minutes there were police and, you know, people everywhere gathered around my mum's lifeless body. Oh, right. So she passed away that in that mm, incident. Yeah. In that incident there. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just seeing my father in the back of a police car as he drove away looking back and that was quite a, you know, just a, a significant moment. I, 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 I'm just trying to picture, which is foolish of me, being in shoes like yours and your siblings. You wake up one morning and wind the clock on, your mother has passed away, your mother has been murdered and you watch your dad being taken away in a police car. Can you even begin to describe what that moment is like when you witnessed all that and in that moment, what are you experiencing? What happened? Just uh, like complete shock. Um, we were taken uh, in a, another police car down to my cousin's house just a little way down the road. Yeah. And I remember sitting on the couch and hearing on the radio the announcement of um, my mother's murder. And hearing that was so surreal. Yeah. Thinking that was my mum and it's on the radio right now. And it was the most surreal moment. Yeah. Uh, just shock, I think, yeah. like complete shock, trauma. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Hard to put words to it. I'm looking at your face now. You still, naturally enough, how would I know? You still feel this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. You can still, it's not only see it, but you can still feel it mm. to... A high degree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What unfolded next for you and your siblings? You were about to tell us before you come down to your cousin's place, but you said that not long after yeah. some authorities looked after you. In what yeah, way? Yeah, so basically we were told that we uh, were going to be put into foster care. Yeah. Uh, which was the only option for us at the time because yeah. the family were not available. Yeah. 
So that meant going, moving into a strange house with strangers that we'd never met before. All five of you? No. So we were separated. So uh, I was uh, put into the first foster home with my twin brother. Wow. My older brothers and my sister were elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and the first experience was actually really positive. Yeah. It was uh, a Catholic mother, a single yeah. mum with two young daughters, yeah. and she was very kind and very nurturing and very caring. Yeah. However, my twin brother and I arrived there completely traumatised. Yeah. And we were not obviously in a good mental state of mind. Yeah. So that became extremely challenging for this uh, Catholic yeah, mother. Mom. Yeah, um, yeah. I think she did an incredible job looking wow. back on it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that part of my happy experience in this home was she would read children's stories to That's us. That's fascinating. In bed at it? night. And it enabled me just to escape the um, reality yeah. of my life yeah. for a little while yeah. and just immerse myself in the story. Yeah. And it gave me a sense of peace. And, yeah, so that was probably the only happy foster yeah. experience. Were you able to connect in any way with the two daughters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were they were like sisters, I guess, wow. you know. Yeah. So for how long were you with that home? I think about seven months. Okay. So it was quite a long time. Yeah. Mm. But in the end, the, the the situation or the scenario that arose out of it, given the trauma that you had experienced, was needed another uh, another outcome. Right? Yeah. Another home. So so how it sort of uh, played out on many occasions was we were just told to put your belongings into a rubbish bag. Yeah. Get in the car, you're moving to another house. But who who's telling you to do this? The authorities. The foster so authorities. The foster, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So seven months later, out of the blue again, you're moved on. Mm. How many times did this happen? Thirteen. I'll get out of it. Mm. <laughs> so the second house uh we stayed at, uh, my brother my twin brother and I, uh, he was an alcoholic. And um, I don't believe so many not your of twin brother, the 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 the, the, the foster fa father. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there was much screening that went on with yeah. foster parenting back in these days. So, yeah. uh, so he was an alcoholic, and um, I remember my sister coming to visit us one night, and we were locked in our room in our bedroom, and I remember hearing a knock at the door, and my sister saying that she was here to see us. And he, the foster father, went to the door and said, um, they don't love you anymore. They don't need to see you. And I remember hearing her crying. And we were, you know, pounding on the door, trying to get out of our bedroom, and and she was sent off. Right. Um, so that was the kind of emotional abuse that went on with this guy. Right. Uh, he told me to run a bath once for one of the other children in the foster home. And I had no idea how to run a bath. I was 
probably not even eight years old. And so I turned on the hot tap and the little girl got in the bath and schooled herself. And yeah. and so um, he he uh, marched me to his bedroom and um, took off his leather belt and pulled down my pants and, oh. um, yeah, just, just smacked me until I bled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donna, how many, uh, without going into the detail of these type of experiences, tra- further traumatic experiences, but you went to 13 different homes, like, like there must have been some pleasant ones, but I'm also assuming there was a whole volume of unpleasant experiences in these homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can mm-hmm. you give us an idea of, you know, the, the terrible question, the volume of unpleasant ones? Oh, unfortunately it was probably, yeah, yeah, it def- certainly outweighed the, yeah, the good yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Donna, by the time you're, you're, you're free to leave the foster care homes how old are you then so this is uh, this is another uh, quite traumatic experience because i was 11 almost 12 and the foster authorities came to the last foster home and uh, asked the question would i gave me a choice basically would i like to um stay in the foster care system yeah. until I was 18 and then I'd be free to leave. Yeah. Which, of course, for me meant yeah. Uh, moving. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, continuing the abuse. And, yeah. Or to return to my father who'd been released from prison. Wow. Um, but the hardest thing about this decision, Bernie, was uh, I had to go back to the house where he had murdered mum. Oh, stop there. Just stop there. Don, I need to take a breath because the um, the events uh, of the story are almost um, too incredible to believe. What um, what choice did you make? Stay in the foster care system or return to dad? Return to dad. Yeah. Why? Because I would finally be reunited with my siblings. Wow. And wow. it was a sense of real, as, as much as it was dysfunctional, it was a sense of stability and family that I hadn't experienced in years. I, I get family. Stability is an interesting term. We're only playing with words here. But the stability, what well, came from the, the Lincoln connection with your, with your brothers and your sisters? Also, um, being in one place instead of moving constantly. Wow, okay, okay, okay. Um, could you comment please on the power of that, that love and connection you had with your, your, your brothers and your sisters because that is very, very powerful to be able to say, I will return to the home and I'll return to the man, albeit my father, but he did murder my mother. So something was able to draw you back to say that's okay to return to that abode, that existence. Can you comment on that love for your siblings? Oh, it's it's a unconditional love, isn't it? Yeah. It's an unconditional love for my father too, to be honest, you know. Even regardless of of what he did, um, you know, 
it's it's a phenomenal thing, isn't it? Like, you know, to to feel that there is um, still some kind of connection. That's incredible. But I think my brothers, my sister, they were they were older than me. They were role models in my life. I get you. They were a sense of security. I guess um, I felt safe. And to what degree did the the, the the whole experience, the whole incident of that terrible morning, plus the unfolding of years in foster care homes, to what degree did that galvanise the five of you? Did, did it bring you even closer? It's a good question, Bernie. My sister actually didn't stay in the house for long because she was – oldest and yeah. so she was flatting by then yeah uh, so it was really just me being the only female and four four wow. men in the house yeah. so I sort of play started to play this kind of mother role to be honest and being the youngest was a bit strange uh, so I think we all had some form of trauma yeah in our own experience because having had our own unique, um, you know, like life experiences in these foster homes independently. Uh, we brought all that together in a melting pot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I guess we dealt with it all differently. You yeah. know, my brothers being older, they um, they turned to to drugs in a, in a big way, and and um, you know that. That was hard for me to witness, Um, witnessing my father uh, and the just daily, uh, you know, alcohol abuse. Wow. uh, And seeing him in a different light, I think, as an older person, 12, 13-year-old, seeing him from a different perspective, from a seven-year-old, and maybe with my Eyes more open. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, um, seeing the the uh, he was a man that had come from a very dysfunctional background. Yeah, himself. Yeah, and I think this played out in the way he viewed life, and he was pro-Nazi. He believed in the Aryan race. Wow. He was a genius. He spoke four languages fluently. Yeah. Uh, He played German records every night I got home from school, and Ah. this is when I knew he was drunk. Uh, I'd come home to a house where I knew I was coming into this unpredictability, um, which – was scary. So when my decision or my choice initially was based on stability and security, in fact, this five years was probably, didn't really demonstrate a lot of that. Wow, okay. It's what you hoped for Mm. when you made the decision. Mm. It's what you possibly saw in coming back to your four siblings your four brothers and sisters, but in fact, you didn't see remorse or change in your father? Nothing. 
In fact, did it get worse for him? Was the guilt of what he had done then demonstrated in alcoholic and abusive ways? Absolutely, yeah. it was. And despite the fact that the five of you were able to come together, it didn't really act as a therapy, even though you must have – did you share your experiences in foster care with each other or was it the unspoken truth? It was the unspoken truth. Yeah, so the therapy never uh, occurred. Why should it occur between five children? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Donna, we're getting we, – we've got the, we've got the, got the picture here – well, no, we haven't got the picture because how could anybody develop the full colour of the picture that you're, you're describing? Let's just go on a couple of years. You're moving to that point where you're a young woman and I assume there's a, a day and a stage where you had the opportunity to, to leave this abode um, behind. Um, can you describe... Who were you at that time when it, when it came time for you to move on into the game of life outside of this home, this house, who were you then? Like give us a description of Donna Lee Perfect there. I was vulnerable. Yeah. I was lost. I was... Uh, still at a place of trauma, right? Yeah. 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 I was forced out of the home because my father died of alcohol. He basically drunk himself to death. Right. So I was 17. Were you there when he died? Yes. <laughs> Were you beside him when he passed? Yes. Oh, Donna, Donna, Donna. Mm. Wow. Wind the years on for us, please. What what unfolded when at 17 years of age you find yourself in another set of circumstances and you're now out in what I might term the game of life, hello, as if it hasn't been played out previously. But you're mm. outside. You're a young woman now, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. What's that life like for you? I went through uh, a very dark, um, you know, path that turned to alcohol and drugs on a daily basis just to numb the pain and the suffering that uh, I hadn't um, de dealt with. Yeah. I'd never dealt with. And um, I recall one night just having this defining moment, I, I, I don't know how I can even describe it, but it was a moment where it was a fork in the road. It was which, which path am I going to take? Am I going to continue down this dark uh, road of, of drugs, alcohol, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, abusing myself, making bad choices? Yeah. Or reach out for help. Yeah. So the fork in the road, are you referring to a decision where you actually contemplated ending your life? I've never been there. Wow, Donna. I've never been there. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a silly question. How come? 
How come? I think I have uh, I have some drive, determination within me that knows no, no matter what I go through, I'm going to get through it. You can't. Are you sharing with me that during this time between seven and whatever age you are, you said 17 when you moved mm-hmm. out, out on a couple of years because you, mm-hmm. you've got the, the – the cannabis habit, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going 19 or 20. Between 7 and 20, even in those years, somehow, periodically, you thought you're going to get through this? Absolutely. It was a drive. Well, dear people, you might consider this an interruption to the podcast. Not so. It is a glorious invitation. An invitation for you to join me and many, many others on that mighty trail to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. Or maybe you'd prefer to do Gokyo Lakes. Yes, you've got two choices there and both of them will not let you down. Why? Because you'll be walking under the shadow of the most powerful forces of nature upon our planet. But you're also trekking and hiking with the beautiful Sherpa, who are our guides. Are they the most peaceful tribe of people upon the planet? I think so. And they're beautifully founded in the spirit of Buddhism. Just imagine it. Nature, Himalaya, powerful forces, Sherpaism, Buddhism, all infecting and invading your soul. I'm letting you know now, dear people, you come on the mighty trek that's leaving Australia or entering Nepal on April the 3rd or 4th, 2024, and you cannot return to your home base, your country, the same person as the one who left. It is simply that powerful. Would you love to join us? Here's all you have to do. I want you to take note of this particular number. Now get a pen. I'm going to delay for a second. Three seconds I delayed for. Plus six, one. Four, one, two. Nine, eight, two. Four, four, four. Now, you text me and say that you're interested and within 48 hours, I'll have delivered back to you a comprehensive information kit that gives you all the information that you will need to make an informed decision about joining us and the globe on a mighty trek to Everest Base Camp. And please remember that preceding that trek, we're also going to spend two beautiful days with 550 disabled children in Kathmandu. Yes, we built them a brand new school following the earthquakes of 2015, which shattered their classrooms. And and, and I, I, I hesitate to say this, but thankfully they did because the new school that they got has been a, a new energy for this beautiful community called Kagandra. Dear people, come to Nepal with us where I promise you that your spirit to become that more loving human being generate greater inner happiness. It will be enhanced. Hey, let's go back to this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Are you enjoying it? I just had this this. I don't know, just drive to make a better life for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you are in the fork in the road mm. and you're tossing up on one hand that I could end this all. Or secondly, I want to live and I want to make something of life. Now, we know which one you chose. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, yeah. it was this moment that I reached out to Lifeline. Okay. And I spoke to a counsellor on the phone. 
late one night when I was in a, you know, drug-induced state yeah. and I was not in a good place. Wow. And I made that call. Yeah. And I was on the phone for quite a significant amount of time and I remember the counsellor saying, there's a lot here that I believe um, we need to, to, you know, work on. And yeah. um, why don't you come in and have a face-to-face session with a counsellor and let's work on on healing this trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was… Did you go in? Yeah, that was a defining Did moment in my… Did you go in, in the my, next day? Oh, yeah. I made an appointment straight off. So that night at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, yeah. you're on oh, the phone? I, I made an appointment there and then with the counsellor. What, and saw him at 9 o'clock the next morning? Yeah, not that counsellor but oh, another wow. one. Yeah, okay. they take bookings for um, face-to-face counsellors. Yeah. Not that it matters. Do you remember the names of these people? No. <laughs> no. Because, wow, wouldn't it be good if they knew the role that they played mm. in turning around a life, mm. eh? Mm. Yeah, incredible journey. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, I had this face-to-face counselling for I think it would have been about eight months. Wow. And How many sessions a week? Oh, every I week. Invite, huh? Every week. Once a week? Yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Was that enough? Once well, a week? Well, they, yes. The, I, I recall the counsellor saying to me um, that I believe you're at a place in your life yeah. where you are, you're being. Yeah. You're being where you need to be. And you are no longer needing to, like, fix yourself or heal. Yeah. Um, And, in fact, the journey that you have been on, the healing um, that you have gone through is – something that so many other people could benefit from. Yeah. And not only that, but you yourself could benefit yeah. through seeing other people's experiences and realising that you're not alone yeah. in, in these experiences. And yeah. your your experiences will help others. So yeah. would you consider doing some lifeline telephone crisis um, training (laughs) and becoming a counsellor. This was the question. This was the question. So eight months later, Mm. you've you've made the call in order to save your own life and then eight to nine months later, you're a counsellor. Yeah. Well, Um, after some training, yes. After some training. Yeah, six months. Yeah. And for how long were you a counsellor? I was a counsellor on the phones in Sydney for two years. Wow. And that's voluntary. Yeah. So, um, and it includes overnighters where you're yeah. on the phones, um, manning the phones for eight hours. Yeah. Lots of suicide calls. Yeah. Um, lots of regular callers that are lonely. Um, you know, and being aware of trigger calls where, you know, some of the callers may, may have a similar story to you and yeah. being aware of those trigger points. Yeah. and. Uh, what an experience! What a what an honour! That that those two sentences there. What an experience! What an honour! Tell me that those two years, that experience, was a transformational 
experience for you. Making the call opened up the door for change to occur. But those two years where you started to reverse the role and it's no longer victimised Donna Lee, it's now Donna Lee has purpose. Donna Lee has gift. Donna Lee has something to offer. That came through Lifeline, you being the counsellor? Absolutely, it did. Can you describe the gift of all that? How did it impact you? Like what did it... What did it actually give you? I, I threw in some words there like purpose and service and offering and all that, but I want to hear it from you. Like, like, like what, did you, what did you learn from that about Donna Lee that you hadn't learned before? Well, when you say purpose, it's, it's, the, it's the question we all ask ourselves, isn't yeah. it, why we are here? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that was the answer. This is why I'm here. This experience that I went through was my mother did not die in vain. Yeah. I'll get out of it, Donna. Listeners, I hope you're watching this because i got tears flowing down my face over here. This is an incredible uh, studio interaction um, that's going on in here. But to hear what Donna Lee just said there, did, did you hear it? She said when she was able to see, and Donna, you're going to correct me for this, okay, Mm -hmm. that service to others, which meant that she had a focus that enabled her to forget herself, when that became her purpose, that gave her energy and life. How did I go, Donna? Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) But I can't get over it, It's like, wow, you know, what a beautiful gift. Like if if you can like see it this way that every single experience of trauma, adversity, whatever, can, can roll out in a way that not only you can be healed from, but you can um, help others to heal because of it. You changed the meaning of it. Mm. You changed the meaning meaning of all your trauma. That's right. The, the trauma was once trauma. <laughs> and now it's a gift. Now it's a gift. That I'm grateful for. Oh, get out of it. Because these things happened to me. Yeah. Not because of me. you got to say that one more time, please. Because these things happened to me, not because of me. So they don't define you. That's right. I'll get out of it. (laughs) That's right. You know, I love Dr. Wayne Dyer's um, quote, and I use this often. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Yeah. Mm. I tell you what, It's a choice, Bernie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? What a phenomenal human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just me again, friends and neighbours, Chip Hardy, with one more loaded question before I let you get back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, And this is a bit of a companion piece to my question in our last episode, because again, here we're talking about reframing unhappy events in a positive light. Quick story. 
and we're about to get personal. When I was in boarding school in year nine, in long ago, 1999, uh, the boarder master of our dorm didn't much like me. I'm still not sure why, but you know, I wasn't a perfect lad. So anyway, uh, one night this boarder master gives me a week's worth of detention for swearing. I said the word ass. Now, later that night, while I was showering, I overheard another boarder in our dorm swear. Now, was, I won't repeat it here. It was a word much worse than the one I used. Um, and then I heard the boardermaster's voice, and he says, Hey, I just gave Huddy a week's detention for that. If he was here, I'd have to do the same for you. So keep it down. <sighs> now, with hindsight, it's not the end of the world. But at the time, I don't mind telling you, I cried in that shower. You know, I was just a kid... And I just felt so powerless and betrayed and devalued. You know, it was the first time I'd been singled out unfairly just because someone who had power over me didn't like me. It was the first time I'd really felt injustice, however trivial that was. And, you know, even recording that story, saying that back, a part of me still gets angry. So this is obviously still a work in progress. But let me tell you what has worked at least a bit to assuage that anger. I look back on that event now and I frame it not as a painful injustice, but as a lesson, a profound lesson, actually. I realized people I thought could be trusted were fallible. I realized that, hey, the world's not fair, kid. It's not unfair either, exactly. It's not cruel. But I learned that night that the world could not be counted upon to adhere to my own personal sense of right and wrong. I was the one who had to make peace with the world. It was not the other way around. I know that Bordermaster had his reasons to single me out the way he did, and I can only be fair to him and assume he thought they were good reasons. Short version is, I grew up a lot that night. It hurt, but I'm grateful because the pain is fleeting, but the lesson is constant. So after all that, simple question. What unhappy experience in your past are you holding on to? like I was, and, and let's be honest, still am, uh, at least in part. And how can you reframe it? What did it teach you? How did you grow from it? How did you get stronger? The stuff that he gave us back those, what, is it 20 or 30 years ago now? Mm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe longer. Maybe longer. He was ahead of his time. He was one of the first... Um, spiritual teachers that was able to bring spirituality to the world that made it all very touchable. Yes. And very human. Yes. And very tangible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was also a foster child. That's right. He was too. Mm. He was too. Donna Lee, um, so this, you're 23 or 24, 25 years of age when you're in Sydney and you're this lifeline counsellor. But we also heard at the start of this podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast, podcast, who you are today, you know, with all the wonderful coaching and educational offerings that you give to so many people. I, I, I don't want to dwell on the in-betweens. <laughs> 
No, the 25 to, let's just say mid-50s, Donna. Is that okay? Yes, perfect. <laughs> the mid-50s. Um, except I've just, please don't hit me with any more really, you know, hard-hitting uh, lowlights or, or highlights, call them what you may. But there may be a few between 25 and 55. Um, scan through those for us, for us please. What, what happened between 25 and now? Oh, goodness me. Uh, well, you know, this whole kind of philosophy of serving others yeah. just grew and grew. And, yeah. uh, you know, I I had this meditation probably about, what would it have been, 12 years ago? Okay. 13 so years ago. I go. went into this. That's med- 40s. Yeah. Early 40s. I, I went yeah. into this meditation with an intention to discover some tools that I could teach children how to stand up to bullying in a positive way. Because during my childhood in these 13 schools in foster care, I was bullied. And I wanted to help kids who have become suicidal themselves due to online bullying. Bullying is out of control in cyber, in the cyberspace. So I went into this meditation and I came out of this meditation with these phenomenal tools called PEACE. 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 And it's an acronym. Okay, and P. it and the the piece is actually um, it represents the universal sign for stop, yeah. which is the hand high up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With your five fingers. Yeah, and um, each letter in the piece tools represents um, a word and a, and a tool. Right. So um, I'll go through them if you like. Yeah, please do, okay, please do. Because so these, let's just understand this. You're now actually giving us um, uh, some strategy here about how you overcome uh, bullying or how you overcome those periods of, of, of low esteem, worth and value. So yes. these, are, these are tangible take-homes here. Absolutely yeah. they are. Five of them. Five P-E-A-C-E. Of P-E-A-C-E. P-E-A-C-E. So the P stands for protect yourself and Me- be powerful. Elaborate. Okay. What's that mean? So it's, it's about standing tall. Now, Believe it or not, if you stand tall with your shoulders back and your head held high, it's statistically proven that you are less likely to be picked on or bullied because you are showing yourself to be confident. So just walking into a school playground with your shoulders back and your head held high um, gives a sense of confidence and you are less likely to be a target for bullies. Stop there for that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I just elaborate on that a little mm. bit? Because now I'm translating that into adulthood. 100%. All right. Because the, the metaphor you just gave about standing taller shoulders back, to me that's a very assertive stance and position. And for me, to love people, sometimes you've got to demonstrate that love assertively Assertively, because not everything is just lovey-dovey, positive connection. But in some cases with people, to actually demonstrate respect for self and respect for them that maybe is not quite the right phrase, 
you've actually got to assert because you've got to stand for something. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's maybe not standing tall as an adult, but it's actually having the guts and the courage to say lovingly what you need to say. Yes, in I, an assertive way. In an, not an aggressive way. No. An assertive way. In I an love that. Way. I love that. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's setting boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are key. Beautiful. Beautiful, okay, the beautiful. next letter is E, yeah. and the letter E stands for escape the situation. Yeah, And, you know, I say, look, um, if you are being picked on, yeah. if you're being bullied, walk away, Yeah, run away. Yeah, And I like to skip away yeah. because I <laughs> the skip is a phenomenal um, exercise, which I'll go into in a minute. Yeah. So escape the situation. Yeah. Never allow anyone yeah. to abuse you. Yeah. I found it's it setting funny, boundaries again. I find it funny that you talk skip away because there's abuse going on, there's a negativity going on, and yet you send the message back, it doesn't affect me because look at me, I'll skip away from this with a positive energy. Absolutely. I hold my own energy. Absolutely. Donna, how fascinating. Mm. Oh, Donna, I, I love that. I just love the idea that in the face of adversity, you called it bullying before, you can actually meet it with your own positive energy intact. That is, they can't steal it away. <laughs> 100%. Hey, move on to the A. Uh, yeah, okay. So we've got an A. And the A is about building an armour around yeah. your body. Yeah. So it's an imaginary armour, like a force field, mm. so that nasty words – just bounce off your powerful armour. They can't get past that barrier that yeah. you set for yourself. It's a protective barrier. Yeah. And it's a choice whether you allow those things to enter into your world or not. Yeah. Whether they're going to have an impact on you yeah. or not. Yeah. So that armour is just so important. Build that armour around you and protect yourself from you, negative. Hmm. I'm now thinking here. If, if, if now we've got children listening to this, you know, young adults, so uh, I'm talking about secondary school, grade nine, 10, 11, 12. Exactly, how do you build that armor? Like, what's the paradigm shift? Like, what's the thinking pattern there that enables you to say to yourself, no one can affect me with, 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 with their name calling, with their, uh, with their, uh, their, their badgering? No one can impact me. How do you do that? It's a choice. Yeah. It is a choice each and every day. Yeah. It is a choice. Yeah. What we choose to take on and what we choose not to. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I do this amazing little uh, uh, demonstration on stage. Yeah. And it's a gift. I take a gift to, to the stage and I ask a volunteer to come up. Yeah. And um, I offer the gift to the volunteer, but I've already kind of prepared them to say, don't decline the gift. And I force this gift onto them. I'm trying to get them to accept this gift, but they will not mm. accept the gift under any circumstance. And then I say, so, okay. So the volunteer has not accepted the gift. So who owns a gift? Is it the volunteer? Does she own the gift? Yeah. Or is it me? Because yeah. – She's declined the gift. Who owns the gift? Yeah. Tell me. Who is it? Yeah. And, of course, it's me. Yeah. Because the volunteer has declined the gift. Yeah. So then if I was to yell abuse, nasty yeah. words at this volunteer, yeah. and she declined, yeah. 
she chose not to take that on board. Yeah. Who owns those nasty words and that yeah, abuse? Yeah, yeah. It's me. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm the one projecting them on others. So yeah. if I choose not to take that on, yeah. then it's it's not mine. Yeah. I don't own them. The C, Donna. What's the the C? C? It's about creating strong friendships in your community. Okay. It's yeah. about building a community, yeah. a school community. Yeah. We're all sisters and brothers. Yeah. We're all connected. We're all connected. We're all humans. Hey, you got an E. There's an E left. There's an E left. Yeah. <laughs> and the E is expressing your emotions. Yeah. And this is about reaching out for yeah. the help and support you need yeah. if you are being bullied, if you're being abused in yeah. your life. Yeah. So it goes back to how I reached out to mm. Lifeline mm. and how it can change your life in mm. a positive way mm. moving forward mm. and recognizing that you are not alone. Yeah. We all have suffering. It's part of life. Yeah. But it's how we see it. Yeah. How we move through and beyond it. Yeah. And what we do with it. Yeah. Take us through it again. Bang, bang, bang. Punch it out for us. P-E-A-C-E. P-E-A-C-E. P, protect yourself and be powerful. Yeah. E, escape the situation. Yeah. A, armor yourself up. Build a force field. C, yeah. create strong friendships in your community. And E, express your emotions. I can hear your answer to my next question right now, but I'm still going to ask it. Is there any one of those that's sort of like a special favourite for you that you would say, <laughs> you would say, this particular one you've got to give good energy to. Which one is it, it's Donna? It's the Express Your Emotions. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, because that's where the resilient rock star comes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but Express Your Emotion means so many things because you defined it before as ask for help. Yes. Yeah, but when you ask for help, it's sort of like tell the real story, L let it out, um, speak to someone. Um, uh, don't hold it back. Uh, get rid of the lava out of the volcano. All of those mm. type of metaphors, images are part of the E. Have you got a second favourite amongst us? There's four. I'm not going to go third, fourth and fifth. I'm not going to ask you to pro rank them. But is there another one in there which you just think, hey, hello, excuse yeah. me, it's really, really important? Creating strong friendships in your community. Yeah. Yeah. It's about connectedness. Yeah. It's so important. The future of community is connectedness. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it, in life to surround yourself with the right environment. Mm. You know, when I use the word environment, I don't mean where you live, but I mean friends, connections, who feeds you. Mm. Um, where do you get nurtured from? Um, mm. What value are they bringing to you? you Absolutely. So, so what would you say to, you know, grade 9, 10, 11, 12 student, um, young tertiary listening to this podcast here at the moment, and they're going through some pain and chaos in their life. They're uncertain about themselves. And you've got one minute to speak to them, Donna, and uh, and you, you want to really look them in the eyes and, 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 and hit them with your knockout punch. Because they want to, they want something to move forward with. What do you say to them, Donna? I would say, believe in every aspect of your life experience, whatever it brings, whether it's uh, adversity, whether it's uh, excitement, whether it's you're striving towards your goals or you're not. Yeah. It's about embracing every aspect of that journey. Yeah. And knowing 
that it's part of who you are. It's part of your life yeah. and your lessons yeah. that you uniquely are gifted with, that no other human being has the same uh, experience or wow. unique gifts. So that's what makes you so uniquely special. Embrace yeah. them. Like, wow. Embrace them. <laughs> yeah. So it's not forget about them. It's actually embrace them because even at the time they were negative and chaotic, they are actually now the source of your learning and awareness. Change the way you look at things and the things wow. you look at change. Jeez, you're good. You're so good. Hasn't – can I say something stupid? Please. <laughs> Take the edge off. <laughs> In a way, hasn't life treated you specially? Yes, it sure has. You said yes, but why did you say yes? How lucky am I? Elaborate. My life is so rich and full and colourful. It's not. <sighs> it's vibrant. And the only way you can have all that vibrancy and depth yeah. and is through adversity yeah. and rising above it. Yeah. It's the roller coaster. Yeah. You have to ride it. Yeah. Yeah. To feel it. Yeah. Listen, I don't know whether we've got any primary school principals out there, deputy principals, year six coordinators. I don't know whether we've got any uh, middle school or junior school. I've forgotten what they call them these days, but if you're in grade eight and nine, I don't know whether we've got any secondary schools out there. One thing I do know is that speaking to, to people and a little bit of uh, research, not much, I do know that Donna Lee Perfect – is going to have an impact in the way that your children see themselves. Why would you listen to this podcast and not ring and investigate and explore the possibility of Donna telling her story? It's not just story. It's taking the kids on a journey so that they can see themselves differently, so that they can not only see themselves different, so they can be more, be better. But you can only be better if you can see better. <laughs> you know, and Donna Lee, I, I just have no doubt, given the foundation of what you've just heard over the last hour, I have no doubt that she could open up your children's eyes. And you ready for this? What greater gift can you give your kids? You know, okay, I've got in the back of my mind here, you can give them maths, you can give them science, you can give them understanding. But what about the freaking game of life, for goodness sake? They won't be able to use the science and the maths and all of the other curriculum stuff if they don't know how to play the game of life. Contact Donna Lee Perfect because your kids need to experience the workshop, the games, and the rock star, the resilient rock star <laughs> process that I know that Donna has got to offer your children at your school. Where do they contact you? And I want you to repeat your mobile number twice. Is that okay? 
Yes. Let's go public. Let's go global. Let's go. do it. Go. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, like, reach out to me on my website, which is all the W's, Donna with a hyphen, L-E-I-G-H, perfect.com. So yeah. that's DonnaLeePerfect.com yeah. or all the W's, Resilient Rockstar Show. Dot com yeah. dot au and my f- phone number call me zero four one two four zero three zero five one I'll give you that number again yeah, you better zero four one two four zero three Now, folks, I'm going to capture all of that information too and put it in the event description. So if you lost track of that or your pen didn't work quickly enough, go to the event description on a Spotify or an Apple and you'll see it there and you'll be able to get those details here. Donna, this is not me trying to, to, to worm in, but I just, I've got good images here and I'm driven by the kids. But I tell you what, you and I together could take those kids on one heck of a journey. And I'm talking about a day or a couple of day leadership camps, um, grade 11 leadership camps. Give us a crack at them, dear people, because I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that we can open up their eyes. And between you and I, I'm looking at a lady here and I know my heart and soul. And guess what? Nothing gives us greater pleasure than to be able to use our gifts to be able to open up the hearts and the eyes of your children to see more and be more. Go to the event description. All the details are there, dear people. Hey, Donna Lee, very rarely recently do I go past the hour mark. We're already about the hour and a quarter. And guess what? There's not going to be too much of this podcast that I'm going to be shortening here because sometimes you just get stuff and it's just worthy of hearing all of it or most of it, you know. But I think we need to wind up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've got a couple of questions just to finish off. And I'm so confident uh, in asking you this question. And it's a traditional one on a journey with Bernie. Because it's all about strategies and actions, routines and disciplines, ways of seeing the world that help people to become a more loving human being. It really is a way about looking inside ourselves and what do we need to do to generate sustainable inner happiness. I'll throw in the word there, greater joy in our lives on a daily basis. That's what the podcast is about. It's about hard-nosing it. It's, it's about taking away the motherhood of love and joy and say, how do we get there? What do we need to do? You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to ask you this question here, please. Just what, what is love? <laughs> the podcast is about love and happiness and 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 bringing meaning but at the end of the day what is it can we give a description to the state that we call love what is love yeah so it's it's a such a a big question isn't it um look i think uh love is a choice yeah that's interesting love is a choice every day yeah. Uh, how we wake up and how we speak to ourselves, how we see ourselves, and how that flows out to others. When you say love's a choice, a, a choice of what? It's almost like you're saying it's a lifestyle and you've got to choose love as a way of life. 
as a way of living. You shake, you, you're giving me the nod, yeah, the yeah. up and down as nod. As opposed to fear. Yeah. As opposed to oh, coming from fear. Okay. Yeah, I think there's, so there's, two, the there's two paradigms. It's love or fear. Yeah. So we choose love. And if we come from a place of love, love will flow out. So, yeah. But love has to be within us yeah. for it to flow to others. So we have to come from a place of love first. I think that is the question, mm. that one there. How do you create that, 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 that inner happiness? I think that is even a bigger question than what is love. Right? Two or three pieces of advising, please, to anyone listening to this podcast. What do you need to do on a daily basis, a regular basis, in order to enhance your ability, capability to be happier within self? Well, I think that is a very personal question that is unique to every human being. Yeah. Um, so it's what makes you feel love. And for me, yeah. that is being mindfully grateful yeah. for yeah. where I am in my life yeah. and every part of my life and embracing that and being love, grateful. Love that. And I practice that through a morning mantra yeah. that I say to myself, I know that when I feel healthy yeah. and fit yeah. and my body, my temple yeah. is um, nurtured, yeah. it affects every aspect of me as a human being, yeah. my mental health, yeah. my inner love, and then how that yeah. flows out. Yeah. I think feeling connected to others yeah. is <laughs> the socialization aspect of uh, humanity yeah. is so important. Yeah. Having that connection on a daily basis yeah. is... Uh, another way that yeah. I love myself, yeah. to know that I need that human connection, yeah. to reach out for it. Yeah. Um, those are the ways that I demonstrate self-love. Yeah. You realise I only asked for three and you gave me about five or six oh. there. <laughs> and furthermore, you actually introduced a topic which could be a whole new podcast. I mean, love of the temple. Mm. Um, why is it fundamental as a foundation for love of life? Yeah. If you can't love the greatest gift you've ever been given, uh, how the heck do you go and love life to the maximum? That's a whole nother story, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Donna Lee, um, thank you. Um, thank you for and I know you've done it a number of times, but thank you for being so open and transparent, trusting even this podcast process in uh, sharing the graphics of your, your, your story. I mean, there would be many that would still shrink in pain. I'm sure you do to some degree, but you also know and as you said, you embrace the you embrace that story, don't you? You know. Mm. But thank you ever so much for sharing it, and of course, all the wisdoms that have um, resulted from it um, that you've shared those um, with us too. Um, 
Can I just ask the listeners here, please? A story like this or a podcast like this deserves your comment. <laughs> don't, don't just sit back there and go, wow. Let Donna Lee Perfect know of your appreciation. Maybe some of you out there have got some reason, I, I can't think of one, as to what you didn't enjoy about it. Guess what? Our, our skin's thick enough. Let us know. But there should be a heck of a lot of you out there that just want to make comment, applaud, um, accolade of uh, someone who's been prepared to share her experience in such a wonderful and exceptional way so that we can all learn from it. Donna Lee Perfect, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Benny. It's been you've amazing. Been, you've been part of a journey with... Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't as grandiose as the past podcast, but we'll accept that. I think it's befitting with the tone of it. Thank you, dear listeners. Love you heaps. Till next time, mate. Bye. Well, good people, what did you think of that episode? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. I just love hearing of people's journeys and their stories that allow us to be able to identify what strategies and actions, routines, disciplines, ways of seeing self in the world that we can consider so that you and I, through their story, can become a more loving human being. Now, glued to this particular episode, of course, is Chipster Lachlan Huddy. And our editor and producer is now going to deliver Chip's take-home pay, a four-minute summary of the actions and the strategies that you and I might consider in order to become that more loving human being. Hey, over to you, Chipster. Thanks, Bernard. Thank you, listeners, for joining me here in the Chip's take-home pay cockpit. That's what I'm calling it now. So welcome. Welcome to the cockpit. Today, I want to zoom in on one thing in particular that Donna said. It's the A in her P-E-A-C system, the armor. You've got to build your armor, Donna says. Build your force field. And I think this is so important. Uh, I think it's one of those things that if you get it right, it triggers this cascade of beautiful downstream effects. Because what we mean when we talk about the armor, the force field, that's resilience. And to be a resilient human is to have such a deep trust of oneself to pass through hardship as to be unafraid to be tossed on the winds of life, to welcome the stormy seas. Because when you're unafraid, challenge becomes adventure. Adversity becomes opportunity. Enemies are humanized. Resilience is the sturdy home base from which happiness and love can roam through the world. So how do we get it? We have to build. And you know what that means, friends and neighbors? It's time to get down to brass tacks. Now, I'm going to speak from my own experience, but I invite you to extrapolate here because the particular road I took might not be the right one for you, but I really think the path will work for everyone if that makes sense. So here's a few things that I've done that I look back on and realize just how much they've helped me build that armor of resilience such that I have it. First and most simple physical training of some sort. Now, for me, it's lifting weights. I go heavy. I push to, but not into failure on every set, basically testing my limits with every single set. 
For you, maybe not. Maybe you should train for and run a half marathon. Maybe a full marathon. Maybe you should train to master an advanced yoga pose. Maybe you should take up a martial art. But whatever you do, I think this step is really important. Track your progress. Chronicle the journey. Write yourself a story through which you grow. Next thing, obviously, the corollary is mental training. Could be as simple as committing to reading a book a month, could be as advanced as learning a new language. For me, this year, it's actually been diving into learning about book marketing in anticipation of, yes, that's right, releasing that novel I still haven't finished, but it's coming, it's coming, and when it does come, I want to be ready to get it in front of as many people who I think will love it as I can. And I've always been a bit afraid of marketing. Marketing, you know, a bit uh, cringy around asking for the sale, building the list, all that kind of thing. So this has been a step out into the abyss for me. And do you know what? I don't know why I waited so long. It's going to be so much fun. I get to test and hone a new skill and I cannot wait. Lastly, and this one's very dear to my heart, I think that you want to throw yourself out of your comfort zone into a situation you can't get out of for an extended period of time, a week or more, I think. Make it significant. reason you do this is because it is such a powerful thing to explicitly and substantially push against your own limits. Go into a difficult, uncomfortable situation with that mindset, and whatever happens is a win. You learn. You grow. Just the attempt is the victory. Now, can you guess what it was for me this year? Go on. Might have been a trek to Everest Base Camp, or two. Because I'm not a hiker, and I don't love the cold, not that much cold, and I was terrified of altitude sickness. I'd had it before. I thought it was going to hammer me. But when we walked through the gates of Lukla after hiking all the way to EBC and back, which is a two-week round trip, there was excitement, yes, and joy, definitely joy. But below those things, and it's still there now, was this deep-rooted sense of tranquility, of confidence. Because I'd learned that there was nothing to fear from discomfort, from exhaustion, from isolation, from all of these things we think is just so unbearable here in our cozy Western worlds. It's such a beautiful thing, and you deserve to feel it. I invite you, I encourage you, I implore you to feel it. So figure out what it means for you. Get out of your comfort zone. Stay there for a week or more and reap the profound benefits. Keep a journal for bonus points. Now, do you see what those three things have in common? They all change you in concrete ways. With physical training, your body becomes stronger in some observable way. With mental training, you literally know more than you did before. You're smarter. Hopefully, you're wiser too. Getting out of your comfort zone for that extended period, that means you've been somewhere, mentally or physically, hopefully both, that you've never been before. Clear, observable, articulatable changes. Undeniable growth. A tempering of the blade. You get that, friends and neighbors, and I guarantee it, you will forge resilience. And that resilience will make you better in every way. And when you get better, the world gets better because we are all part of the system. Resilience, it's a domino. Flick it over and many, 
many more fall. All right, that's all from me, folks. I'm Chip Honey. This has been Chip's Take Home Pay, and I do hope you found some pay worth taking home. As always, my friends, Auf Wiedersehen. Ah, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this. <laughs>